please stand with me if you are able. As I will read from God's word this morning, Romans 11, verses 33 to 36. This is the word of God. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. This ends the reading of God's word. Please be seated. There's a great deal for us to take in this morning. So let us go before the Lord in prayer for the sake of us all. Father, we praise you again for your holy, inspired, inerrant word. And help me to declare truth, your truth, to unpack. These very profound, powerful words by the power of your Spirit give us eyes to see and ears to hear, the ability to communicate this your glorious truth. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen. subject this morning, as I said, is soli deo gloria. To God alone be the glory in all things, particularly in context here, to salvation. Salvation. Here in Romans 11, that which our brother Mark read from moments ago is Paul, the apostle, launching into doxology. Awe and praise to Almighty God. From out of awe comes praise. This, this is the climax of the first 11 chapters of Romans, which lay out the theology of the book. It is Paul's conclusion to the great exposition of God's truth, that is, glorious salvation of God through Christ. So his outburst of praise here is only fitting and really, it is the first point of application in understanding this truth. Now, after 11 chapters, when he gets to chapter 12, he says, Therefore, therefore, based on all this glorious truth, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Now, prior to those applicable points for the rest of the book, um, um, a, a point of application 1A is praise. 
right here. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Regarding what, beloved? Salvation. Salvation. Now, earlier in this chapter, you have to follow me here today. Earlier in this chapter, he, is, he, he states this great mystery, verse 25. Okay, that is the design and purpose of God both toward Jews and Gentiles regarding salvation. Regarding salvation of a people referred to as his elect. His elect. Okay, understanding this first. We mustn't forget this. God had limited the revelation of his grace. God had confined the revelation of himself to one small group of people throughout the world for centuries just as he preordained it. He chose Shem. Noah's son, from out of whom sprang Abraham. And all the sons of Jacob, the man he renamed Israel. And then for a span of 2,000 years plus, no one had divine revelation except the Jews. No one had a word from God except the Jews. No one had a promise of God. No one had a prophet of God. No one had a place to worship the one true God except the Jews. Because God preordained it that way. Revealing himself to Israel alone just as he predetermined. Soli Deo Gloria. Are you with me? For the glory of God alone, he predetermined to do so. Over time, the hearts of those people became dull. Having heard the word of God, the revelation of God, they would not believe. So when Christ came to his own, his own received him not. And they nailed him to a tree. Cursed is any man hanged upon a tree as he preordained it. Christ crucified, slain before the foundation of the earth. God sent them judgment. Blindness, deafness, and notice, stupefied ignorance, verse 8, chapter 11. And it's been that way for 2,000 years. Stupefied ignorance. And he did that also just as he decreed. What did he say to the prophet Isaiah? Go, preach until they see no more, until they hear no more. So that not only would they not believe, they could not Believe, as John chapter 12 and verse 40 records, as having been fulfilled in Christ, he has blinded their eyes. He has hardened their heart. Why? Soli Deo Gloria. 
He did all of it according to his purpose of sovereign grace in Jesus Christ because he has a people scattered throughout the world, throughout the nations of the world, Gentiles known as his elect who are to be gathered in. And yet, and yet, and yet, he still has an elect remnant among the Jews. They too shall be saved. Verses 5 through 11. Chapter 11. And in the end, all the Israel of God shall be saved. All God's true Israel, Jew and Gentile, saved. That is, one new man in place of the two. Ephesians 2 and verse 15. Why? For the sake of soli deo gloria. For his glory, all of which means, all of which means, the purposes of God according to divine election are settled. They're settled. Teaching us that everything God brings to pass in providence, everything God brings to pass in providence, he does because he has purposed a people to be saved from throughout the world according to his own elective purposes. Are you with me? Providence, everything in providence. Now, in case you don't know, providence is God carrying out his preordained will in time through the circumstances of life. Providence, God carrying out his preordained plan in time through circumstances. In other words, there is nothing that happens in time that has not been ordained by God before time. Amen. Well, you might not like that terminology, so you resort to, well, he allows certain things to happen. Okay? Newsflash. There is nothing he allows to take place in time that has not been predetermined in eternity past to be allowed. Witness on the left. Witness. If you got a problem with it, your problem's not with me, it's the word of God. Your problem's with the word. God is going to save his elect from throughout the world in ways that are inconceivable to us. Far beyond our understanding. Well, what about the atrocities that occur according to providence? Preacher, you mean to tell me that too is part of his preordained plan? Well, that's what they asked Jesus one day. Luke 13, Jesus, what about those Galileans that Pilate murdered while they were worshiping God? You know what Jesus replied with, basically? What about it? What about it? Well, let me add to that, says Jesus, that you remember the, 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 the tower that fell and killed 18 people in Salon? What about it? Do you think they were worse sinners than you? 
Nobody on that day who came to worship before Pilate expected to die. Nobody, when they went to Siloam that day, expected to die. But God had purposed otherwise. For it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. It's an appointment. You will not be late for that appointment. You have all the warning you're going to get, says Jesus, and except you repent, you too will perish. To answer their question. That's a solemn awakening, isn't it? Every time an evil act is carried out or um, what we call a natural disaster, it's a solemn awakening. May God grant the grace to believe on his son to repent and trust in Christ alone. Because the purposes of God according to divine election must come to pass in time by way of providence. Okay, that is, God is going to save his people from throughout the world in ways that prove what is most honoring to him is most wondrous to me, most wondrous to you, inconceivable to us. It was not the way we would normally plan it. Let me assure you of that. Never the way we would plan it. Example. You're all tuned in, I can see, because we're in for a haul this morning, okay? Is that okay? This is Reformation Sunday, okay? So we're on a journey, okay? Not the way we would plan it. Example, those Jewish babies, boys, that Pharaoh slaughtered out of fear of a growing populace of Jews, slaves, in Egypt. From out of whom, those slaughtered babies, God would spare one, and he would raise him up, as his mediator to lead an exodus out of Egypt 80 years later. Those babies, Herod slaughtered in fear of a king who would take over his throne in search of baby Jesus, innocent ones slaughtered in Bethlehem. From out of whom? God would lead his one and only son under the care of Joseph and Mary down into Egypt, would fulfill scripture that declares from out of Egypt I called my son. God's final mediator who provides the ultimate exodus from the bondage of sin 33 years after the slaughter. Would you have ordained it that way? Of course not. Of course not. You couldn't think to ordain it that way. But I don't understand why this or that happens in life. I don't understand how this works. I don't either. Amen? Don't look to me for answers. I only declare the truth. See, we are mortal beings, and he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. That is, I am incomprehensible, says the Lord. 
with regard to everything, including the salvation of souls. Do you know that a clear understanding, let me say that again, a clear understanding of an incomprehensible God, once again, a clear understanding of an incomprehensible God assists in our ability to glorify God. When you clearly understand that he's incomprehensible, on your knees you go. Down you go. In awe and praise. The more Paul considered God's purpose, providence, power, wisdom, grace, mercy, and justice, according to all that he had written up to this point that we know as chapter 11, the more his heart overflowed with the praises of God. You see this? A declaration of praise, verse 33. Oh, the depth, oh, the depth of the riches both of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. Okay, so now with that introduction, let us consider, let us consider the path that Paul has paved to this doxology. With me still? All right. In chapter 1, Paul declares the gospel is all about God's Son concerning redemption and righteousness. By Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of David, God and man in one person. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, says Paul. And then... He goes on and he demonstrates the wisdom and the knowledge of God in the way he has brought about in his providence, again, the way he's brought about in his providence, the fall and depravity of man, revealed in chapters 1 through 3. Men. Mankind who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, who exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, they do not see fit to acknowledge God. This is what we read in Romans 1. And then we read that God gave them over to a depraved mind. He, he turns them over. That, that's what we refer to as the wrath of abandonment. Divine desertion. And notice... He declares it without apology, all for his glory. And because of the stubbornness of man, because of unrepentant hearts, you know what they're doing without apology? They're only storing up wrath upon wrath upon wrath for the day of God's judgment, Romans 2 verse 5. And then we read, man left to himself in this entire world. There, there are none who are righteous. No, not one. No one understands. And by the way, no one seeks for God. Romans 3, verse 10. All of that sets the backdrop 
for the revelation of his grace. The revelation of his grace. Those, chapter 3, verse 24, who are justified by his grace as a gift. Gift. Free and complete justification in and by Christ alone. Romans chapters 4 through 7. Paul goes on and he speaks of God's salvation, purposes, providence, and promises. Chapter 8. Look, hear, understand. Romans 8, 28. You can follow along if you like. Romans 8, verse 28. That all things work together for good to them who are the the called according to his purposes, soli deo gloria, his purposes. They're called according to his purposes. They are foreknown. Okay, foreknown does not mean to foresee. Foreknown does not mean he looks down the chasm of time and he sees that you're going to accept him. So based on you accepting him, he accepts you. Wrong. Foreknown means to forelove. Foreknown, predestined, to be conformed to the image of Christ. Ultimately, the glorified Christ. Through suffering, for his name's sake. And then in chapter 9, he says, this salvation of God, this gracious gift of justification that comes through Christ alone, if if ever you come to embrace it, if ever you come to enjoy it, it will solely, solely, solely be because of God's sovereign, infinite, everlasting love for your soul. Romans 9, verse 13. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? Anybody? May it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have compassion on whom I have, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, so then, it does not depend on the man who wills. Or the man who runs, but is solely dependent upon God who has mercy. Anybody want to argue with that? They tried to do it in Romans. You can read the rest of Romans later. The wonders and the wisdom of God's grace are not to be objected to, Christian. They're not even to be quibbled with, Christian. But that's unfair. Quibble not. If God were fair, you'd be in hell. Because he's just. But according to his mercy, he's shown you grace. Unmerited favor. These truths are to be believed on and and wondered at. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. In saving sinners like you and me, especially me.
Then, in chapter 10, he says, while you're marveling, okay, at the wisdom and knowledge of God, marvel at this. Marvel at this, okay? This salvation arranged and ordered by God in Christ his son before the world ever was is, is of absolute certainty because only God is God. He is Lord, author, and finisher of our faith. This, he goes on to say this. This salvation is free. It cost him everything. But to the sinner, it's, it's free to everyone in the world who believes on the Son, God's one and only provision. But what does it say? Well, it says, Romans 10, 8, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be Saved from, from God. Saved by God, from God. Saved by the grace of God, from the wrath of God. Saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Soli Deo Gloria. Christian. You can walk out of here today with absolute certainty of God's pardon. And you should. You should walk out of here today um, absolutely certain of a righteous standing before God for one reason. Because of faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Not what you do, what he has done. Be certain of it. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, be certain of it, we read there. Paul says, this is the mystery and wonder of God's wisdom and knowledge. The mystery revealed in Christ. And then, in chapter 11, verse 7, what Israel is seeking, it is not obtained. But those who were chosen obtained it. And the rest were hardened. For what? Soli Deo Gloria. All for the glory of God, ultimately. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see, ears that would not hear, down to this day. Through their trespass, Romans 11 verse 11. Salvation has come to the Gentiles. Branches that were broken off and wild branches that were grafted in who now share the nourishing root of the olive tree, chapter 11, verse 17. All of which, all of which was by the purpose of the Lord just exactly as God ordained it in eternity past. Reveals it to some. Hides it from others. 
This is what our Lord was referring to in Matthew chapter 11. You can turn there if you like. Verse 21. Jesus said this. Do you not know? For if the mighty things that you have seen, the mighty things that you have heard, if they would have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. If those wicked Sodomites had seen and heard what you and Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum have seen and witnessed, or any church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the way, any church that preaches the whole counsel of God, by the way, they would have repented long ago. You know what Jesus is saying there? But my father did not send it to them. Had they, they would have, but he didn't. He sent it to you, and you believe not. You see this? And then, at that moment, Jesus prayed, Matthew 11, verse 25, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things. Hmm. You've hidden these things from, from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to babes, the ignorant. You, you, Father, have chosen to reveal yourself to these babes according to your gracious will. And you've hidden them from smart Alex, those who in our day claim to know so much, the self-professed wise and intelligent who say, you know, this only one way to God through Christ business, you're going to have to prove that to me. You're going to have to prove this, that, or the other to me. You're going to have to prove creation to me. Look, fact, newsflash number two. If I have to prove anything to you about God, you go to hell. Did you hear that? If I have to prove anything to you, you know, those who say, look, I'm a reasonable person. I need some empirical evidence. You'll go to hell with it. Why? Because these things, says Jesus, are known only by divine revelation. Divine revelation that comes through the divine inspiration of the word of God, and they can only be believed in by way of divine illumination that comes from God according to grace. That's it. I don't stand up here to prove anything. I declare truth right here. Amen? Only by the revelation of God according to his grace can these truths be known and embraced? That's it, says Jesus. Yes, Father, verse 26, Matthew 11, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. What way? He revealed it to some, and he hides it from others. That, that's pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to 
reveal him. Children, this is why it is so important that you sit under the preaching of God's word through these early years of your life, understanding that this is God's means of grace of revealing himself to you at a very young age. Blessing. This is the most important thing that you'll ever be taught in your life. It's the gospel, the free grace gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember, the Pharisees would not believe, and eventually they could not believe. Historically, Think about this. Historically, through the fall of humanity by Adam, our representative head, grace and salvation has come to God's elect, the nation of Israel, under the old covenant. For, for what? Soli Deo Gloria, the glory of God alone. Through the stumbling of Israel, Romans 11, verse 11, God has brought salvation to his chosen among the Gentiles. Why? Soli Deo Gloria. And then through the salvation of Gentiles, God is bringing saving mercy and grace again to Israel, saving his elect among them with the same gospel. Why? Soli Deo Gloria. All by Divine revelation that comes through divine inspiration of the word of God with the gift of divine illumination, without which you'll never believe it. You know, I've discovered over the years, Christians, they'll sit in a message like this and it just irks them. Because it's all about God's sovereignty. Does man have a responsibility to believe? Yeah, you all have a responsibility right now to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's right. Human responsibility stands separate from divine sovereignty. You try to mesh those two together, you'll be in a world of trouble. Amen? So what's your responsibility if you're not a believer today? Repent and believe in Jesus Christ and you shall be saved with the hope that this message is working as a means of his grace to bring you to that place. Romans 11, verse 25. I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so... All Israel will be saved. Paul's whole point, chapter 11, verses 17 to 24, is that while there are two kinds of branches, Jews, natural branches, and Gentiles, wild branches, there's only one root, Jesus Christ. He's the root and offspring of David. The creator of God and human offspring of King David as well. So when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, writes Paul, Israel's hardness of heart will be removed. For what? Soli Deo Gloria. Ethnic Jews then will be saved in the same way in which members of these present 
that this present believing remnant are saved and being saved. In that way, according to God's predetermined plan, all Israel will be saved. Okay, what does that mean? It's understood to mean the elect individuals within the community of Israel, ethnic Israel, the sum total of all the remnants of ethnic Israel who believe throughout time, throughout history, those natural branches will be regrafted into the righteous root, verse 24. Amen? So the church of Jesus Christ, important for us to note, is not Israel's replacement, but Israel's what? Continuation. God has always had one plan that fulfills the true, the, the true Israel of God under the old covenant, whether it was Moses as an ethnic Jew or Ruth who was a Moabite, Jew and Gentile alike, God saves according to the same gospel. And those unbelieving Jews today, as an ethnic people, once God gathers together all of, all of his Gentile elect, There'll be an outpouring of his Holy Spirit so that all Israel shall be saved. Which tells us that when you start to see large, many, many numbers of ethnic Jews coming to faith in Jesus Christ, the end of the end is upon us. That's how I understand the text. Chapter 11. All for the sake of soli deo gloria. That's Paul's point. This is the mystery, verse 25, chapter 11, he's now revealing. But notice back in verse 22. Are you still all with me? Okay, verse 22, chapter 11. Behold then the kindness and severity of God. To those who fell, severity. But to you, God's kindness. And it will be proven as his kindness if you continue on in his kindness. <laughs> Friends, it is impossible for us to understand in any way the goodness and the severity of God apart from his infinite, absolute sovereignty. Safe to say? Fair to say? I could never understand it. You think about God's judgment on some men and some nations and not others. Outwardly speaking, things that we see in time. No mind can grasp that. No mind can explain that. No human being can explain these things. Those who try to explain earthquakes, hurricanes, you know, tsunamis, terrorism and war, it's folly. Utter folly. Because the ways of God and providence, no man can grasp or explain. Just look at redemptive history. Could you have written this? Of course not. It's enough for us to know the words of William Cooper and his hymn. God moves in a mysterious way. All right? God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. I have that hanging on my wall. 
of my office to remind me first. Anytime I'll go, anytime I want to question God, Lord, help us all in that. To question God as I have done, or to sit in judgment over God and his ways. May it never be. Instead, may we bow to his will that is revealed. Amen? He reveals it in time by way of providence. In other words, God owes man nothing. Amen? He owes man nothing except his just wages. The wages of sin is death. He'll pay that. He'll pay it. The wages of sin is death. And either your sins will be punished in you, that's eternal damnation in hell, or they have been punished in Christ, his beloved son. There's only two ways. You pay for it, or he's paid for it all. Okay, now next. From the declaration of praise to a challenge of supremacy. Notice, verses 34 and 35, Romans 11. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? Now, he's citing there Isaiah 40, verse 13. We're reminded that no one knows the mind of, Lord, of the Lord apart from the revelation of God, that which he chooses to reveal to us according to grace. No man serves as his advisor. And these words of wisdom, by the way, you can track all the way back to Job. Job, chapter 41, verse 11, who, as you recall, was demanding an explanation to his dilemma. Remember? And he was given an unsuspecting answer. God said to Job, a man God loved, and Job, a man who loved God, God says basically in Job chapters 39 to 41, um, it's none of your business. You remember? It's none of your business. Um, I, I don't answer to you. Where were you when I established the foundation of the universe, Job? Where were you again? That's right, you didn't exist. I do not need to explain myself to my creatures. I act according to my predetermined what? Will. He's ordered all things exactly as he wills, all the details of the universe. Nobody is consulted. Amen? He consults nobody. He's the sovereign. He lays it out. He reveals it, if he so chooses to do, by way of providence. Therefore, friends, the preacher's job is not to explain the unexplainable. Amen? The preacher's job is never to explain the unexplainable, sovereign grace, divine election, divine destruction. His job is to declare it. That's the problem with so many mealy-mouthed pastors today. They fear man instead of God, so they think they have to explain this stuff away. So they'll get to a place like John 6. Someone told me they visited a church a couple weeks ago, and he's telling me that he was preaching in John 6. 
And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if he skipped over verse 44. And the next thing that came out of my friend's mouth was when he got to verse 44, he skipped it. Since some of you don't remember what it is, let me read it. (laughs) Jesus said, no man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No man can unless. You believe that? believe it. We declare it. I don't have to explain it. I just declare it. Amen, preachers? Hallelujah. All right, let me see where I am. Job. Where were you again? Job. Where were you? Um, who has known the mind of the Lord, or who became his counselor, or who has first given to him that he might be paid back again? Verse 34 and 35. God alone is doing right, amen? He's always doing right. He's working salvation. He's performing righteousness. His will is being carried out. Our job is not to question, but to bow. And oh, we need grace. To bow. Have you ever asked God why? It's okay. I have. I'll tell you that. I've asked why and received no answer. I guess it's not my business right now. There are things in my life I ask why. Why? Silence. Paul asked why. Paul, amidst all of his suffering, he, he, he asked if God might remove a thorn from his flesh, and God answered him, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient, Paul. And it's interesting that Paul um, would connect with Job here, isn't it? Lord, why? Why? And notice now verse 36, an assertion of absolute sovereignty. An assertion of absolute sovereignty. For from him and through him and to him are what things? All things. All things. That is an absolute statement of unqualified, unlimited, infinite sovereignty. Right there. Or as Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 28, for God is all in all. He's all in all. For from him and through him and to him are all things. You know, some Christians, some of my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, I have heard say, I'll I'll be careful now, don't take that too far. Really? Look, you could take one end of that, someone take the other end of it, stretch it as far as you can. You can stretch it around the world and you, you, you can't go far enough with that. For from him and through him and to him are all things. Paul is bursting forth with praise about that. All things come from him, amen? 
all things from him. He's the source of all things. He's almighty God. Creator, redeemer, all things come through him. The means of their accomplishment is God. Comes from him, he plans it out. The means of its accomplishment is through him. Well, what about all those evil things that you you discussed earlier? Pharaoh, you know, the slaughter of the innocents, Herod and slaughtering those babies, those things are of the devil. Yes, they are. Who owns the devil? Who owns the devil? God does. Luther said the devil is God's devil. Amen? Now, is God tempted with evil? No. Nor does he himself tempt anyone, James chapter 1. But let me tell you this. If God, according to his sovereign purposes, does not restrain the evil already within the heart of man, it will come to pass, but never outside of that which he has decreed to come to pass. Amen? Yeah, it's of the devil, all right. What about kings of nations throughout time? They've made certain decisions, evil, atrocities. Well, we read in Proverbs 21.1 that the king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Remember Rehoboam, son of Solomon? He's going to take over the kingdom. So he, he wants to seek out advice. He wants to seek counsel about how to rule the people of God. And rather than listening to older men receiving wise counsel, he abandons their counsel and listens to his idiotic friends that he grew up with. Take note of that, young people. You remember? You know what was behind it all? The hand of God. We read this, 2 Chronicles 10, verse 15. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of events from God. That the Lord might establish his word. Hmm. So here we see Rehoboam's actions in light of God's sovereign purpose that will eventually lead to the kingdom being what? Divided. North from the south. Amen? Carried out by way of God's providence. And what would eventually come? Exile. Exile. Judah goes into Babylon. We see the uh, Assyrian captivity of the north. And then eventually, the result of that is that the Israelites, some of them intermarry with the Assyrians, the product of which... Samaritans. Samaritans. Jesus Christ comes out of heaven. Second person of the Godhead takes on human flesh. And on one given day has a divine appointment with a woman who's had five husbands shacking up with some dude that's not her husband now. She doesn't even go out because of shame when you normally gather water morning, evening. She goes out at noon, and there Jesus is, having been determined to go to Samaria, and he meets the woman and reveals himself to her. Could you have planned that? Would you have ordained that? You see a connection to the turning of of Rehoboam's heart. For from him and through him 
and to him are what? All things. That was the foundation of of the Reformation, beloved, to to kick the legs out from underneath glory-seeking men. Right there. You know what we understand as believers? We understand what the most brilliant scientists in the world are baffled with. It's this. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand how he formed the universe. He spoke it into existence out of nothing. And these who claim to know so much, they know nothing. But by faith, we understand. For the sake of what? Ultimately, soli deo gloria. And notice through him, that is he's personally, actively, and intentionally involved in his creation. In other words, we we don't serve the God of the deists. You know, the deists say, you know, God created everything. He kind of wound the clock, and now he goes and takes a nap. And things just kind of randomly happen. Wrong. He's intimately involved in every single facet of his creation, including your life. And the same is true with God's providence. Amen? We understand creation. Same is true with regard to his providence. By faith, we understand that the universe created by God is also ordered by God. This is what we understand by faith. All things, particularly with regard to his business of salvation. That's what this doxology is all about. The mystery of God and salvation. That means if you have faith, God did it. If you have faith this morning, God did it. If you have redemption, God did it. You have forgiveness, God did it. You have sanctification, God gave it. You have perseverance to run and endure to the end, God does it. You're justified, God performed it. All things are from him and through him and to him. All things, amen. Well, if it's all him, why do anything? Because it's all for him and from him and back to him. So, a means of his grace comes the command of the word of the Lord, obey. By faith. Amen? This is a good Reformation Sunday reminder, amen? Amen. Good. I'm almost done. Finally. So, from him, through him, and to him are all things. And then this... Ascription of glory at the end. To him be glory forever. Amen. Friends, you can't make God more glorious than he is. Amen? None of us together can make God more glorious than he is. We cannot add a drop to God's intrinsic glory. He has that in and of himself, but we can bow and ascribe to him the glory due his name. Amen? May that be our goal in life as we're reminded 
of this glorious gift of salvation, appreciating that human history arises from God's great predetermined plan. It exists and it is maintained by the means of God's power and ultimately is for the purpose of glorifying his own name. And you're all part of that plan, carried out by way of providence. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So whatever you do, Christian, may we do it all to the glory of God. You who are without Christ this morning, you've heard the gospel. You'll never make it to heaven on your own. You need a substitute. There's only one. God demands perfect holy righteousness. He does not allow one sin to pass. He sent his son to do what you cannot do, to provide what you can never achieve, perfect, holy, righteous life. And then he was crucified to bear the shame, the guilt, and the punishment for that guilt and shame that came from God himself. And he died. And he was raised. That means that his life and ministry were validated by God the Father by way of the resurrection as the perfect sinless sacrifice. Repent of your sins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You trust in him and him alone for your righteous standing before God. The scripture declares you shall be saved. I don't need to explain it. I just declare it. Amen? Come to Christ and be saved. Father, thank you for redemption. Thank you for the history of redemption that we hold in our hands this morning. Um, help us to remember that ultimately it's all for your glory. And along the way, it's certainly for our good. But our own good, the salvation of our souls, is ultimately for your glory. For from you, to you, through you, and to you are all things. To you be the glory, we pray. Amen.